The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Shall we pray? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer, our strength and our salvation, our hope and our help in time of need. Amen. I have the best news ever. It's great. It's great. In fact, it's absolutely amazing. Amazing news today. But it's odd to me that it comes in chapter 19 of 1 Kings and not chapter 18. It's it's odd to me that it comes at Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, and not on Mount Carmel. You remember what happened at Mount Carmel, don't you, in chapter 18? Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest to see whose offering would burn up as a testament and a proclamation as to whose was the true God of Israel. And the prophets of Baal took their bowl and slaughtered it and put it on the wood and tried and tried and tried and tried to light it and nothing happened. And Elijah built the altar with 12 stones. And he put the bull on there, cut up, and he put the wood on there, and he said, douse it with water. Then he said, douse it again. Then he said, douse it a third time, and then he prayed, and poof. But that's, that's not the good news. Our news today is even more wondrous than that. Because when Ahab told his wife Jezebel, who, like Baal, worshipped Baal, when, when when, when Ahab told Jezebel that Elijah's offering to the Lord God was accepted and that the prophets of Baal were slaughtered, Jezebel sent word to Elijah that she was going to do the same to him that he did to the prophets of Baal. But that's not, that's not good news. <laughs> so what does Elijah do? He tucks tail and runs from the northern point of the northern kingdom all the way to the southern point of the southern kingdom from Mount Carmel to Beersheba and leaves his servant there and then goes another day in the wilderness and hides underneath a tree. That's not good news. And then he cries out to God, woe is me, let me die. And an angel says, get up and eat. So he ate and then he slept and then the angel said, get up and eat and he ate again. And while that's good news that the angel tended to someone in need, it's not our good news. Then Elijah ran 40 days and 40 nights to Mount 
Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And that's where the news begins to get good, but not quite yet. You see, God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, we, we really can't read the inflections of God's voice without projecting how we've heard that question onto the Scripture, which may or may not be accurate, but usually when I've heard the question, what are you doing here, it's not favorable or positive, and it usually means that I'm in trouble or in the wrong place. When, when I was to be ordained deacon and presented to the annual conference, I, I got a letter about annual conference and where I was supposed to be. And when I got to Houston to the annual conference for the meeting, the letter was still in Durham, North Carolina in my apartment. And I was greeting friends and saying, hey, and finally one of my mentors, in fact, my first mentor in, in ministry, Mark Young, y'all may remember him. He was superintendent over here for a while. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know, saying hello. He said, you're supposed to be with all the candidates and the ordinands in the chapel to be presented. I said, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know how it went for Elijah with God, but, but, but God said, what are you doing here? And, and Elijah said, I alone have been faithful. <laughs> you ever felt like that? I alone have... And, and God says, go, go stand on the mountain. So Elijah goes out and stand on the mountain. And what happened? There was what? A wind. The wind was first. It blew and it blew and it split mountains and crumbled rocks. And what does it say? God was not in the wind. Yeah. And then and then there was an, an earthquake. And was God in the earthquake? And then there was a fire. Was God in the fire? As I studied this week, um, I thought back to my growing up years as a child. We lived in Southern California for five of those years, and though I wasn't there when they had a full-blown earthquake, we did have several times where there were tremors, and the whole house shook. Mom accused me of kicking the couch and told me to stop while she was watching the news, and I walked out in front of the couch, and it was still shaking. I said, Mom, I, I'm, not, I'm not kicking the couch. I don't know if a ventriloquist can do that, but I'm not doing that. It's an earthquake. It wasn't an earthquake. It was just tremors. And then, and then one day, I went to play in Kenny Schreiner's home. And Kenny and I were playing, and, and, and it was the middle of the day, and, and we played. And you know how kids are. They get to playing, and they, they don't keep track of time. And then all of a sudden, when we walked outside, it was dark. And I knew I was in trouble. What was I doing there? I was too late. I'd missed supper. But it wasn't. It was the smoke and the ash from the Tahunga Canyon fire that covered the sun and darkened the day and closed down schools and burned down homes. And the wind, you all know what wind is. 
when we lived in the islands one year, hurricanes David and Frederick were about two weeks apart. They didn't hit the island completely, but they came near enough by. And then in Dayton, we lived through what y'all lived through with Rita and Ike. And God wasn't in the wind or the fire or the earthquake this time. It, and, 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 then, and then the Hebrew there is, is, is kind of up for interpretation. The King James Version says, then there was the still small voice. The New Revised Standard Version says, there was the sound of sheer silence. And again, God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? As if to say, don't you have something you're supposed to be doing today? What are you doing here on this mountain when your work is way over there near that mountain? Elijah's answer to the question remained the same. I alone have been faithful in Israel. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but, but when, when somebody asks the question a second time, <laughs> maybe it means my answer the first time wasn't what they were looking for. And then, and it doesn't say God asked a third time, but... Elijah said, I alone am faithful, and now they're trying to kill me. God simply says, go and do your work to which I've called you. Anoint these people as king. Anoint Elisha to, to follow you as prophet. Go and do your work. You ready for the good news? I'm ready for the good news. All that was pretty difficult to talk about. This is the good news, both in Elijah's day and in ours. The working out of God's will to fulfillment and completeness never has depended upon any one person except the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Elijah was convinced that it was all up to him and now that the queen wanted his head on her wall, God's work would cease with his death. In the part of 1 Kings 19 that we didn't hear read, God reminds Elijah, I have 7,000 other folks who have remained faithful. 7,000. One to 7,000. That's more than multiplication. We've got, I don't know, 150? How many today? In church, how many? Hmm? 
108, okay? So let's do that math real quick. Is anybody quicker than my calculator? 108 times 7,000. I mean, if the ratio is the same between then and now, that's 756,000 people. Well, that's more than live in Beaumont. But do you see that? No one person is the linchpin. No one person is the keystone. No one person is the only one that can make all things happen in God's kingdom. So the truth is that that if any one of us as an individual or any group of us or any, in fact, in Southeast Texas, if any one congregation or one denomination thinks that, that reaching everybody in this region for the sake of Jesus Christ, it's all up to us. And if we don't get it done today, it's not going to happen. We're mistaken. Because we're in this together. All of us are in this together. That's why we work together. That's why we worship together. That's why we play and pray and love and live and serve together. You see, God has called us into community and placed us in community on purpose so that each of us individually and all of us in our ministry teams and all of us as a congregation with our sisters and brothers in congregations like ours can work together to further God's kingdom. I, I, I used to read this passage that it was all about the sound of sheer silence and getting away from all of the noise so that we could rightly listen to God. This week, this passage has challenged my understanding of it and brought me to a new place to say, you know, that is important, but it may not be the most important message from this passage. Elijah was off track when he tucked tail and run. Elijah was off track when he hid under the broom tree and said, let me die. Elijah was off track thinking that he was the only one left and he alone could make things happen for God. What got him back on track? Listening. Listening. <laughs> Some of y'all wishing for that remote, the mute button. <laughs> You're stepping on my toes, preacher. You change the channel. Listening. You see, when 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 we when we are listening to God's presence in our lives, we will realize that many of the people we encounter each and every day do not have anyone they can talk to really. When, when we are listening to the still, small voice of God, 
we will be able to see others as God sees everyone. Beloved, when we are listening to the sound of sheer silence, it won't matter how much noise is going on around us. The peace of God that surpasses all our understanding will remind us of who we are and will remind us of God's provision for our lives and compel us to be about God's work for God's kingdom. Anybody know what your neighbors are doing this morning? I mean, right, right next door. Or, or, or the house down from that. They're probably watching Women's World Cup. And, 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 and do, you know, do you know why what the world calls football is one of the two remaining sports I watch? I watch Duke basketball and I watch world football, what we call soccer, that spotted ball game they used to call it back in my day in high school. Be, be, because, because for me, it's, it's one of the most faithful expressions of being team. There are some exquisite athletes in, in every venue of athletic competition, no doubt. And, and, and on many a game, you can hear, well, that player put their team on their back and carried them to the win. On the soccer pitch, the football pitch, it takes the whole team for the whole game every single time. And that is what it means to be a part of church. That is what it means to follow Christ. That is what it means to listen to God. To be invested in completely the whole team for the whole life of the whole congregation for the whole community of faith. And all we have to do is listen. Because when we listen, we hear. We hear God's call. And when we hear God's call, it might change our minds and our hearts and our words and our hands to see the possibilities of reaching others in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, help us not only to listen, but to hear. And not only to hear your word and your call, but to do your will in this world. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.